listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. It's Pentecost. It's the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus and the day on which Judaism celebrates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. For the Jewish faith, the law, the Torah, was the strong container within which their lives, both as individuals but also as community, was to be shaped. And now on the day that they celebrate the gift of Torah, the earliest Christians find everything bursting out in a way that almost suggested that there was no container strong enough to hold back what the Spirit of God was doing in their world. The imagery that Luke employs here in the book of Acts might strike us as vivid, even a bit wild, maybe almost too wild to fit into modern categories. Tongues of fire, a rushing wind, and the outpouring of proclamation from the mouths of these simple Galileans that somehow everyone could hear in his or her own language. It is all pretty wild. But in the view of the New Testament scholar Frank Crouch, our standard English translations actually underplay underplay what he calls the fear-inducing, adrenaline-pumping, wind-tossed, fire-singed, smoke-filled turmoil of that experience. Where our translations use words such as bewildered, amazed, astonished, and perplexed, Crouch argues that, quote, the Greek terms describing their reactions could be appropriately rendered as confused, in an uproar, beside themselves, undone, blown away, thoroughly disoriented, completely uncomprehending. It's important, Crouch goes on to say, it's important to release this story from its 2,000-year-long domestication, its connection to some of Scripture's most primal, disorderly, prophetic roots open doors into a liberating, open-ended array of possibilities made possible by the unconstrained Spirit of God. You see, there's a lot of wind and fire and power in the writings of the Hebrew prophets. Those prophets who consistently work to call Israel back to its foundational practices. Those prophets looked at a society marked by a growing gap between rich and poor, slave and free, landed and landless, powerful and powerless. They said in those oftentimes fiery terms, this is not the way it's supposed to be. 
those divisions, that, that growing gap, that's not what's described in Torah. And if you've forgotten Torah, you've forgotten God. You've reduced God to a set of sacrificial practices. You've grown content to let the priests do their work in the temple while you create your own economies built on self-interest. You have, in effect, traded God for Baal. You've chosen a deity you can satisfy with little religious gestures and in return fill your own coffers with money that should never be hoarded. That, says the prophets, that is why the nation will fall and be occupied by enemy armies. This is why there will be so much loss in the land, because you, people of Israel, have lost your way. The thing about those prophets, though, is that they generally don't stop at just uttering dire, fiery warnings. They generally offer a way forward, a word of promise, a word of hope. And such are the words of the prophet Joel, which Peter lays hold of here in tonight's reading from the book of Acts. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And then that list goes on to include sons and daughters, young and old, slaves, men and women. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Joel says, and repeated by Peter as he faces this international crowd. Now, Joel's words are still urgent and dire. And in fact, the prophet sees the urgency of a return to God being written in the very skies, in the sun and in the moon. Yet Joel is insistent on that bit about everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone. And so Peter takes that text and he rifts on it. Here N.T. Wright comments that at this point in the book of Acts, Luke, through Peter's fresh reading of Joel, indicates that this new experience, this wild Pentecost experience, will bring about the reconciliation of young and old, slave and free, male and female, heaven and earth. Wright then adds, too idealistic? Don't settle for anything less than the ideal vision. And then Wright riffs a little bit from the passage in Romans 8, where Paul writes of how the whole of creation has been groaning in labor pains, and how the Spirit intercedes for us in groans, in sighs too deep for words. And he adds, But expect, in embracing the ideal vision of all of those reconciliations, expect in embracing the ideal vision to be called to groan in prayer. It isn't only the individual Christians, but the whole community that needs the Spirit's help in our weakness. That's why I believe it is so important to read this other passage tonight, this passage from the Gospel according to John, right alongside of the Pentecost reading from the book of Acts. 
in Acts, we're given this explosive, fiery picture, this wild picture. In John, we're given a long-haul sort of image of the work of the Holy Spirit, the sort of picture that also spoke to the ancient church with great clarity. You see, there may have been something really explosive there that Pentecost day, Something so wild that many who witnessed how it impacted the the disciples assumed that they must have been drinking. But beyond that day, beyond that one day, there was a matter of learning to live into it. And living into it in the midst of communities of people whose default settings were too often triggered back to old paradigms. Paul spills an awful lot of ink writing to all of those communities, trying to call them back to the foundational reconciliation that they'd been offered, but which they'd kind of let slip after he'd gone on to the next leg of his missionary journey. And so when he writes, he so often writes saying, Remember what I taught you about law and grace? Or about not leaving some to go without food while some eat to excess? Or about how you need to drop the old distinctions and dividing lines between slave and free, male and female, Jew and Greek? Remember? So with the realities of real lives, real people and real communities, the Spirit of God is deeply needed as our guide day to day to day, whether in Corinth of the ancient world or Winnipeg of this world. In the gospel according to John, the Greek word that's used for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. Paraclete. And it's not an easy word to neatly translate into English. Tonight's reading from the New Revised Standard Version, it's translated as advocate. But other translations use the words comforter, counselor, helper. And some give up altogether on trying to translate it accurately and just transliterate the Greek paraclete. The word literally means called to the side of. Called to the side of. And so when that word is used as a noun, it takes on a sort of a dynamic kind of a life that says the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside, is called alongside of us, accompanies us, walks with us as the Spirit of truth. And isn't that a dynamic kind of a picture of God's way with us now, to come alongside Jesus in John is saying that, well, he will not be with his followers all that much longer. His going is going to fold into something that will sustain them day to day to day. A presence of God that is right alongside of, as close as our very breath. The trick, of course, is to pay attention. You don't often think about your breathing until you stop and actually think about your breathing, right? Otherwise, it simply is. Pay attention to the truth that the Spirit is alongside, as close as your own breath, always and ever alongside. Pay attention to that, 
And maybe you have a chance of being deeply comforted, counseled, advocated, and interceded for, guided, helped. And all of those other words that appear in the New Testament's efforts to describe the work of the Spirit. Of course, every once in a while, that Spirit still resorts to a bit of wind and fire to knock us on the head and wake us up to the truth of what Frank Crouch calls the open-ended array of possibilities made possible by the unconstrained Spirit of God. The open-ended array of possibilities made possible by the unconstrained Spirit of God. That's all part of today's story, too. And so, on the Feast of Pentecost, the invitation is, pay attention. Where is that alongside of God manifest in your own life? Stay still and listen. Be attentive. But... Also be open to the reality that sometimes it will come like a hard knock on the side of the head, like a little wind and fire. And that's gospel too. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.